All right, welcome back to the Goal Post. We are back with another weekly episode, and we have officially entered into the dog days of summer. No more NBA, no more NHL. We just had another golf major. Patrick, we're, we're heading into the barren territory here a bit. Yes, yes we are, Damien. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but Slam Ball is expected to come back. So that's when you know what they're really, really getting desperate for yeah. the summer dog days. But at least the dog days bring us one good thing that we have missed in our life for quite some time, and that's football. Football's back, baby. The CFL is back. Uh, just fit, wrapped up week two. The yep. Argos had their season debut. Um, and yeah, and it's kind of just getting into full swing. I'm really excited for it. So far, so good. A lot of things to talk about after the first two weeks. Tons of things to talk about. I think the CFL season has actually gotten off to a really good start here. I think that they're really capturing. This summer, it feels like more than ever, uh, like a real dull in sports. And it's kind of being, you know, hitting a, a wave across a lot of these networks where they're not exactly sure what to do now. But TSN's been coming in clutch with CFL coverage, and there's been a lot to watch. The Argos obviously had their home opener last Sunday on Father's Day against the Ticats. Great day for a game. It's a beautiful night. I was able to go there in attendance. Um, and they got a huge win over the Ticats. Just an overall great performance. Yeah, you also just want to touch on the TSN. They're, they've also been promoing, I feel like, the CFL a, a lot more than they were in past years. And that's allowed me to know the schedule pretty much a week in advance, which is like, once you know it a week in advance, you can kind of plan it. You go, yeah, I remember that. Argos game, 7 o'clock, yeah. Sundays. So it's nice that TSN's kind of showing that they care about the CFL and growing the game. But, yes, back to the Argos. 1-0, what a way to start the year. Chad Kelly kind of got it started, and they just really never took their foot off the gas after that first half. Yeah, it was huge. It was a great start to the kind of whole vibe of the night. The Argos gifted the first 10,000 fans at the stadium with a replica of the 109th Grey Cup ring. And it's honestly probably the best giveaway I've ever seen. It's a super nice ring, super nice quality, and a good kind of touch for the fans who were, you know, stuck out the last season. There were some highs, there were some lows. The Argos really weren't ever a favorite for the Grey Cup last year, and they managed to get it done. So that just kind of started off the night with a great vibe. They raised their 18th and CFL leading Grey Cup banner. It's just a ton of championships. 18-0 and 0 in Grey Cup yep. games as well for the Argos, which is a really fun and that you really don't hear it's a crazy. lot about which is quite an impressive one but yeah i mean the atmosphere they've they've set a standard for this yeah. team uh especially led by chad kelly who was the quarterback who won the great cup for them last year it's uh it's starting to build a somewhat of a winning culture that i don't think the argos have seen since the ricky ray days almost yeah um they had obviously the one great cup in the middle there but the sustained winning is something that they've ha hadn't had for a while. So hopefully this is the start of something. Obviously, we want Chad to go succeed and make the NFL. But I mean, if he stays with us, I got no problems with that because he seems to uh, have a pretty good feel of what this league is and how to succeed in it. Yeah, Dave Naylor wrote a great article about how Chad Kelly really has the chance to become a face of the Argos franchise. It's kind of right there for the taking. Um, and he said in there, like, it should really be clear that he's the most important player in the Canadian Football League right now. Not the best, but the most important to his team. I think that the first few weeks have shown, if anything, that this is going to be a huge season for quarterbacks. If you have a good quarterback, you're going to go a long way in this season. We've already seen, you know, some quarterbacks have some pretty tough outings. Specifically, Bo Levi Mitchell last Sunday against the Argos had a really tough day. 
Um, he was one of those guys who, you know, the Ticats went out and tried to get some pretty high-profile additions in the offseason. Um, and it just kind of hasn't played out the way that they thought it might so far. He's been throwing a lot of interceptions and a lot of balls that just should never really leave his hands. So I think that right now Chad Kelly is primed to take this team wherever he wants to take them. And that's huge right now in the league. Yeah, the grass isn't always greener on the other side for Hamilton. They thought that they were bringing in a better quarterback than what they had, but, I mean, did not get off to a good start. Obviously, now he's injured as well, so we'll see the repercussions of that for Hamilton, who were the East favorites going into the year and after week one. But, yeah, they did not get out to a great start. Bo, Levi, Mitchell, like you said, was not his usual self uh, that we used to see, that we're used to seeing in Calgary. Yeah. he was uh, he was 16 for 24, 158 yards, two interceptions. Uh, you might have mentioned that in the fourth quarter with an injury. It's Hamilton's going to need to have some help from their backup quarterbacks for sure, immediately, you might say, because I think going into this week, they just have more and more of a competition. And if they get down early... It's not good because it looks like the Argos are going to win some games. Montreal is off to a 1-0 start, which is big for a team like that. And you don't want to be down there with Ottawa in the Eastern Conference. No, I think that Hamilton needs to get their wins kind of early this year and help prop themselves up for a better finish to the season. It's only been one week and or two weeks, and obviously we don't fully know yet. But yeah, Matthew Schultz, who took over for Bo Levi, is going to have to be pretty impressive. Um, He went... You know, came into the game trailing by three scores, um, and he actually had a pretty impressive touchdown drive. He went nine for ten for eighty-one yards, um, and threw an absolutely crazy pass uh, to uh, who was it? It was oh, I thought I had it holding, 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 holding. Not not easy to find CFL stats, by the no, way. No, it's the not. People. You'd be uh, quite surprised considering they uh, were bragging about their new stats uh, partnership this year. And so far, it's off to a horrific start. No kidding. Finally found it. Um, it was Ternowski. He had a crazy one-handed catch in the end zone, got like one foot in. It was really silenced the crowd. And that was kind of, other than Terry Godwin's one-handed catch in the third quarter, was kind of the two biggest plays of the game for them. And other than that, they couldn't really get anything going. I think that the Argos had a huge play by uh, a new corner that they have, Quantez Stiggers. He's 21 years old outside of, from outside of Atlanta. Um, he comes in in training camp, makes the team after a crazy training camp performance. I think he had three interceptions. Um, and, you know, Hamilton's driving down the field. It's a one nothing game after the Argos get a rouge, and he manages to get a pick in the end zone when they're deep in the red zone. And that just kind of from there flipped the whole game yeah, all-name team, Quantas Stiggers. I believe you said his middle name is London yep. as well, just to add, add add more to the story. I mean, it's just a wonderful name. But, yeah, it's the defense has kind of been the question mark for the Argos, I guess you could say, going into this year because, you know, I yep. think there's a lot of excitement with Chad. We've mentioned in the backfield, the wide receivers. But the question mark has been the defense. And after one week, they've they've come through. Like we said, Bo Levi threw two interceptions, which is – not normal for a quarterback of his caliber. We'll no. see if that was kind of a one-off when he returns or he uh, is kind of, you know, maybe at the end of his career. But it was a good start for the Argos defense. I believe they were also without uh, Adams on the back end. So he'll be a huge add when he comes back. 
And, um, I mean, you have a great opening stretch for the Argos here. You, you have a big rivalry win against the Tiger Cats, obviously. And then you go into what looks to be maybe the worst team in the CFL, the Edmonton Elks. So hopefully they can kind of keep building that confidence, that swagger, because I feel like that's the epitome of a good defense is you just kind of play with a swagger and a confidence. And it's not always kind of X's and O's, but it's kind of just how you feel out there. Yeah, I agree. They looked really hard to play against for a lot of moments of those games. You mentioned swag. We talked about him early. Swag Kelly, he got three rushing touchdowns, completed 14 to 23 passes for 213 yards with those three scores. He was just really dynamic. Uh, you know, in the game, he manages, Deshaun Amos manages to get another huge interception off Bo Levi in the end zone. And then pretty much, I think, two plays later, Chad Kelly throws a 59-yard bomb to Coxie. And it just completely flipped the game. They went down, scored another touchdown, kind of put it out of reach. Uh, just a lot of people kind of stepped up for the Argos. Um, punter John Haggerty, he was amazing he was doing like coffin corners these like 60 yard punts up in the air just monster punts all night just a great complete effort from the Argos and a great way to kind of start the season um, but Patrick mentioned it earlier moving towards week three we want to now give you some betting odds and picks and some rundowns of games across the league we'll get to the Argos and Elks matchup a little bit later but first I want to talk about what likely has the chance to be the best game of the week, uh, which is Lions-Blue Bombers. Uh, the Lions are kind of the league's darling child so far this year. Vernon Adams Jr. kind of hit the ground running um, as his in his first full season as the Lions starter. Um, he, got, he, he already has 600 passing yards, 46 rushing yards, and four total touchdowns. Um, and the Lions just kind of are that team that, you know, they had a great year last year. They lose, obviously, their most important piece at quarterback. Um, but they're, they went out, they got Vernon Adams, and they seem to be turning it around. But as we saw in week one, Winnipeg looks like a wagon again. Winnipeg's always uh, going to be one of those teams, especially when you have Zach Caleros as your quarterback. It's kind of what we were talking about earlier with the Argos. They have had that sustained yeah. success as a franchise in the CFL. And, I mean, they're the they're the cream of the crop for a reason. They've earned that uh status even losing a running back like Andrew Harris they've just haven't skipped a beat on offense they look great and I mean obviously off to a 2-0 and start along with BC though but the the points they've put up for 87 points for for Winnipeg in two games that's crazy yeah Kalaros already has five touchdowns over his first two games almost 700 passing yards they're just and that game against the Riders last week, the Riders did not even play that bad. Like, I actually thought they had a great outing. Harris had, like, 413 yards and threw for three touchdowns, and Winnipeg still won the game by a lot. Like, it was just – it never seemed close, even though Saskatchewan was playing well. Yeah, the, it kind of like one of those college football games, right, where you're just yeah. like, okay, this team's kind of hanging around, hanging around, you blink, and it's a three-score lead. Yeah. And you just go, how did that happen? This was an even game. Um, but yeah, Winnipeg has that ability. They always have, and it's kind of not a shock to anyone to see them off to a 2-0 start. I mean, Zach Calero is probably the best quarterback in the CFL, hoping to be dethroned by Chad Kelly by the end of the season. But yeah, as Caleros and the Bombers have the crown, actually they don't have the crown on their heads. You can't, Argos are the defending champions, yeah. even though everyone thought the Bombers were the best team last year. 
But it was a uh, big big yeah. line for this opening game. Winnipeg favored by six. That's uh, that's kind of where I was about mm-hmm. to go into. I early my 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 thoughts are just is BC. BC has only given up 15 points against in two games. So if their defense kind of just like holds in there, I just six points is a lot, right? So I can kind of see this being a three four point game. But my initial reaction to seeing that line is it's it's big it's it's a big line yeah it's big i think that you know if vernon adams can put up points i love the over in this game um and i think that you know both of these teams yeah it really does come down to defense they both had some games where they had some lighter offenses to play against and they kind of beat up on them um and then this is kind of the biggest test for both of these teams early in the season and i think that this is going to be a QB battle. Um, we mentioned it, Kalaros and Adams Jr. Um, but this is going to be just a super entertaining game, I think. Uh, it goes off Thursday night at 8.30. And I think that this is some perfect evening kind of view and watching for you. Um, nothing else on TV. And you can throw on some good football. And, yeah, I think this is going to kind of set the tone for the next kind of three weeks of the season. Like, if if BC has a big win here, like a commanding win, then all of a sudden the narrative is going to start to shift. I will definitely be tuning into this game tonight. You have swayed me. I will be taking the over, not a side, because, uh, I mean, yeah. why not, right? I don't have a dog in the fight. just kind of want to sit back, watch a good game, and, I mean, probably the two best teams in the West. I mean, don't forget about Saskatchewan as well, but these two teams look good, and they're off to hot starts. Well, I, I'm excited to watch Vernon Adams Jr. continued success. I, I wish the best for him. It's impressive how BC has kind of been able to not miss a beat after losing what the the best quarterback the CFL has seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll take the over with you. And yeah, Thursday night viewing. Well, like, it's I'm perfect. Not, I'm not watching baseball tonight. No. Eight thirty start. You're in bed before midnight, and hopefully you watch a great product of the CFL. It's great. Yeah. So now moving on from Thursday to Friday night. Nothing like some Friday night CFL action. Hamilton has their home opener against the Alouettes. The Alouettes were able to start their season off with a win against Ottawa in week one, and then were given the week two bye, so they have been resting. And this one is a huge game for both teams. I think that we mentioned it earlier, the battle in the East, you're just trying to kind of keep your head above water all the way into the playoffs. Um, Steinhauer has ruled out Bo Levi Mitchell for Friday's home opener. Matthew Shinetti, our boy, has updated his report to indicate that Mitchell will dress uh, in a backup role. So people were kind of speculating whether this was actually an injury or whether it was a bit of a, you know, a motivation benching kind of, you know, Levi left that game, but nobody really kind of saw a play where he was actually looked like he got super injured on it. Um, So I think that Schultz really is going to have to step up here. He started three games for Hamilton in 2022. He had a two and one record through for almost a thousand yards. Uh, four touchdowns and two interceptions and I think that you know if he can able you know is able to kind of spark this tie cats offense a bit the Alouettes don't have a great defense but Montreal's coming in hot and like motivated for this one I feel like both teams will be motivated for sure but it seems like Montreal's could build momentum off an opening season win as opposed to Hamilton where off a loss yeah they're kind of scrambling they lost a quarterback week to week with a hurt pride yeah it's uh it's it's Feels like these teams, I know it's obviously week three and Montreal Montreal has only played one game, uh, but it's it feels like two teams kind of headed in different directions. Hamilton 0-2 and, 
Uh, Montreal 1-0, and and Montreal, I feel like no one has really talked about them in the East. It's like the battle between Hamilton and Toronto. Everyone kind of figured Ottawa would be at the bottom of the Eastern standings, and then you just have Montreal. It's kind of a bit of an outlier, but they kind of want to be heard this year. It seems like early. We'll see if they can back it up. It's a huge game. If they can send Hamilton to 0-3 and they start 0-2, a five-game stretch right out yeah. of the gates yeah they're trying to build some momentum there they got a new head coach they got a new owner like a, a bunch of new head office people they're trying to get things going there in montreal and really kind of invigorate that market again and starting off 2-0 and would be huge for them i think that you're when you're trying to get the ball rolling early in the season and get people fired up for like a summer of attending football games it's huge and i think that no mitchell in montreal coming off of a bye um, kind of has me wanting to pick the Alouettes here in a bit of a snoozer. Um, but if, you know, alarm bells aren't kind of going off in Hamilton yet, uh, they kind of should be, especially if they lose this game. So I think I like, for the pick, I think I like the Owls against the spread to, to cover plus two and a half. I think that's a this is a field goal game kind of any way you slice it. So I think if they can be on the right side of that either way, then this is a winning pick. I'm I'm with you on on the Alouettes for sure. I might I, don't hate uh, it. I might be looking at the money line here. Um, oh, they actually don't have it listed on. Oh, they do. There it is. So the Alouettes are plus one twenty on the money line. I think it's worth a sprinkle. I know it's in Hamilton, which mm-hmm. has some pretty rowdy fans. Obviously, it, is that their home opener? Yeah. So it'll be their home opener. They're going to be loud. They know yeah. how how big this game is for them and in, in their season. Uh, but I kind of like Montreal going up against a backup quarterback, coming off momentum with an opening season win. And yeah, I mean, two and a half points. I do like your mindset on the field goal, kind of. Yeah, it's either maybe, way. Maybe yeah. even by the half point, get it to a three. Mm-hmm. But uh, plus 120, I like that number. Who can, We'll see what happens. I like it too. That's a good one. Make sure you're watching that. And then we will move now to kind of almost the same story, but for a Western uh, division matchup with Saskatchewan and Calgary, kind of two teams like Montreal and Hamilton. Um, Saskatchewan's like Montreal. They're really trying to build something up again this year. Uh, they have one of the most passionate fan bases in the CFL, and that's a team with a lot of pressure to get things going fast. Um, and then you have Calgary, who kind of like Hamilton has had this run of like excellence over the past 10 years with not a ton of actual trophies to show for it. Um, so they're trying to kind of prevent that alarm bell from ringing two this one's bumped up a bit saskatchewan's at plus three and a half uh calgary's at minus three and a half and we got the dicky bowl another edition brothers craig and dave dickinson will face off as head coaches of both of these two teams how about two brothers both ending up as two cfl head coaches that that feels like such a cfl story the harbaugh's of the cfl it's uh it's quite it's something to see i mean it's a, a fun fact the dicky bowl what a name for it and it just it's a way it's a storyline for a yeah. game that it shouldn't doesn't even need storylines because they're both at one and one yeah. uh, neither of these teams like each other obviously and i mean it's just like it feels the way calgary traded away Bo Levi mitchell to hamilton and it feels like they're trying to change that era of what you're talking about yeah. where it's like Regular season title, regular Bo Levi MVP, mostly, or MOP, my apologies. Yeah. But now it's like, we'll see what the new era of Calgary is. And I think this is a nice early test. Both teams one and one. You're at home, catching three and a half. 
and it's it's a game they probably should win. Um, I'm not, you know, obviously you don't want to sound alarms if you go down one and one one and two this early, but to get out two and one, get your name at the top of the Western Conference, which looks to be highly competitive this year. Yeah, it's a huge game, and Saturday night seven o'clock for the Stamps. You know that crowd's going to be rowdy. Yeah, I'm excited to see kind of that opening crowd in Calgary. They're usually a team that has a, some really great attendance numbers. They've been wavering a tiny bit, but I think that kind of the this game should help get that back on track a bit. Do you have the Saskatchewan money line odds, if you could find those for me? Because I think that that could actually be a really interesting play. It's uh, it's plus 150, 150 at the moment. 150, yeah. It, it's a bit of appeal at an underdog there. Um, if Saskatchewan can kind of hang with Winnipeg for almost four, you know, quarters, they might just, you know, beat out, they might just win, not just, you know, covering the spread there. Um, but I think that Trevor Harris looked really good. And I think that if he has a game, he can pull this close enough for sure. I think the riders are better than people think, uh, initially and Calgary really isn't as good as people give them credit for. So this is kind of both of those matchups again, going head to head. And again, I like Saskatchewan with a plus three and a half. I think it's a it's a big. I know it's I know it's week three, and we're we're talking about like prove it games already. But both of their wins have come against inferior opponents. Yeah. Um, and I mean Saskatchewan lost to Winnipeg, Calgary lost to BC, which are the top teams in the West. So like the winner of this game, it feels like you're going to be competing in the playoff spot. You're probably going to be that third team in the West, yeah. whereas the loser kind of feels like you're going to be hanging out in that fourth spot in the West all year. Where you don't want to be yeah. at, like at all, yeah. So the Stamps QB, Jake Meyer, he's the one who's replacing Bo Levi Mitchell. He threw for 332 yards against the Red Blacks last week against having a bit of a tough start against the Lions where they beat up on them. Um, and, yeah, like they, they kind of had some softballs to tune up each of their offenses and defenses a bit. Um, but this just ultimately comes down to kind of coming out and being the better team because this is neck and neck. So the Rough Riders and Stampeders, that's on Saturday night at 7 p.m. We got a great slate in terms of timing. They're all like spread out evenly over these four days. Yeah, nothing else is on. So it's almost like this is what you're watching yeah. on, on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we'll get to Sunday. Yeah. I'm noticing a trend. It seems like all these totals are... Pretty much the exact same. 47, 46 and a half, right well, around it's, there. Well, it's uh, all, the first game we did, yeah. which will pro- probably be the best game, is sitting at 49 right now. Okay. But that's highest by, and the Alice Tie Cats, 44, uh, Rough Rider Stamps, 45 and a half, and then uh, Argos Elks, which we'll get into, is at 44 and a half. So it feels like. I love that over. It feels like you can get a lot of early overs in the season where the markets might be undervaluing what these teams have because how many points they put up. Yeah. As these weeks go on, you're going to get better chemistry. You're going to get kind of the kinks out the rustiness of the season. And I feel like right around the week three to five spot is when markets are trying to adjust the certain teams, seeing what they're all about. So I'm just looking at these totals and they all feel low to me aside from, Lions bombers, but I just something to keep an eye on. Something I know. No, it's a great point, and that's why I love betting CFL. Is that you can always kind of catch, um, you know, a few weeks before the market catches on. Uh, a lot of the times, you'll have, you know, teams and spots where they are favored by a field goal or by three and a half, where they it's really a touchdown game, and you can kind of boost and adjust the lines. That's something I love to do, and that's something. I might even do for this Argos Elks game Sunday night, 7 p.m. The Argos are favored by 
six and a half on some books, seven on other books. And I think that if you get it at six and a half, I, I would even, you know, think about Are sometimes you, I'll go to the eight and a half, I'll, I'll, the slider. Okay, I thought you were going to say something else. But no, I like where you're and do at. a bit of a touchdown in a field goal game and try and slide it up to get some value there. Um, but this one is definitely the most lopsided game of the week. If you look at anybody picking this, I think everybody on earth has the Argos uh, against the spread pretty much any way that you can grab them. Um, and these teams are really just heading in opposite directions. Um, it definitely has like a bit of a trap game written on it. Like it's an early in the season. The Elks are trying to do something. The Argos are coming off a big win. Um, but I just, I think that, you know, this team is going to prove that last week wasn't really a fluke. And I don't think this is the time for an upset. I had that same thought of the trap the game. Trap? Six and a half. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the Elks are going to be awful this year. It looks like the Argos, they got off to a hot start. But I think it's too early for a trap game where it's the yeah. Argos, like they've only played one game. They're ready, yeah. You know, it's they're ready to go. They, they didn't play week one, which I feel like is a huge kind of motivator for especially a defending champion where it's like we want to show you what we have and that we can back this up. Edmonton, they kind of got – they have all sorts of problems at quarterback right now. They don't know what they're... It's a they're, mess. Yeah, it's a mess. I mean, people are calling for the rookie. I mean, it's just... every you, There seems to be a lot of chaos going on in Edmonton while there's a lot of stability and just kind of confidence in Toronto right now. Exactly. And I don't see why... I know it's in Edmonton, if that, like the home crowd, but I can see the Argus winning this by three touchdowns. Legit. I think this might has the chance to have like a crazy score, and that's why I love the over in this one. Uh, it could be one of those sneaky games where like Loki, the other team, doesn't give you enough points to get to the over. Uh, I, I think the Argos might get to 45 themselves, 44. They, they really could. It's not that outside the realm of possibility. Uh, the quarterback kind of kerfuffle that Patrick was mentioning is that, you know, they take pivot, Trey Ford, like eighth overall in the draft this year or in the 2022 draft, not the 2023 draft. Uh, he started three games last year. He went, he won his first. Uh, and, you know, Chris Jones is going the opposite way, giving Taylor Cornelius, what a name, uh, a vote of confidence, kind of despite the poor start to the season. And I think that maybe, if, you know, if he comes out and has a terrible game, then the Elks might, you know, flip into we have to kind of save our season mode and then try for it in and see how he is. He did pretty good as a rookie. He had a 58% completion percentage, threw for 461 yards with two touchdowns, five interceptions. Where Where's that line for you in the game? Like, where where would you, if Cornelius if comes out it. and he looks, he throws two interceptions in the first quarter. Right. Are you pulling him right after that second interception? Is it something where... It's such a tough line because Chris Jones came out and said that, right? Like, if you come out and double down and say, this guy has my vote of confidence, then you almost have to at least let him get to half. If it's a real barn burner at half, then you get almost the backup minutes time. Like, oh, we're getting our backups reps anyways. So I think that if this one's really out of hand at half, then there's a good chance we see Trey Ford in the second half. And I really do think it could be oh, yeah. hand, especially after they laid a goose egg last week against the Lions. I mean, I mean, look how much points the Argos put up, like even in the first half against Hamilton, right? Yeah. Like it's, they were kind of on cruise control in the second half. Yeah. It was just like, you know, let's get this win, get home. Everyone's yeah. happy. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of trouble. I had the pleasure of watching Trey Ford in university, actually. Um, I would love to see him in the CFL. I, I don't see why you wouldn't, try it out especially after you start 02 
I don't really understand what Taylor Cornelius has done to earn the the respect I don't that either, he's been yeah. given really right now, especially after you you used your eighth overall pick on the quarterback. That's kind of your quarterback in waiting for sure. Yeah. Um. But what are you waiting for? Like, I know. Get him in there now. It seems like you're young kinda, Canadian talent. Like let's develop this guy. Yeah, and you're. Seems like you're in a losing season. Yeah. So, I mean, you might as well get the reps in. I Obviously, there's the confidence conversation, but I feel like, you know, everyone knows what's going on. Your first season's probably not going to be pretty, and Edmonton isn't the best team. So it's just an opportunity for him to get involved in the league, get an idea for the pace of play, the speed, and just the overall CFL game as opposed to an OUA game. Exactly. Uh, and that wraps it up for us. That's our CFL preview for you for week three. Tune in over the next four days to watch some great football uh, and kind of just get, you know, back in that football spirit and, you know, have something to look forward to here on the weekends and to watch some sports at night. And that'll be it. All right. We're back now to switch gears a bit into some hockey talk. As yesterday, the Hockey Hall of Fame Selection Committee announced that seven more will be inducted as the class of 2023 this fall. Headlined by a trio of goalies, a bit of controversy yesterday. Henrik Lundqvist gets in on his first ballot, followed by Tom Barrasso and Mike Vernon, Flames days. Uh, we'll be joined by Carolyn Ouellette and Pierre Turgeon, uh, as well as Ken Hitchcock and Pierre Lacroix in the builders category. Um, there every year there's four categories, a maximum of four male, male players, two female players, one referee or linesman and two builders or one builder. If an on ice referee or linesman is selected, that was something I kind of didn't know about this process was the whole category part, but people were pretty fired up yesterday about this. I knew it was four male players for sure, but right. the, the whole builder, um, just that, the extra yeah. and then i'm just like i know it's one female player it seem, seems like so that was kind of a i guess you'd say a blind spot for me i well I, I usually only think the uh the nhl guys but obviously as time has gone on it's advanced and expanded into new categories which i think is good for the hall it gets different names that have been involved in the, the game of hockey because it's the yeah. hockey hall of fame not the nhl right. hall of fame so it's nice to get Different people that were involved in in the beautiful game, uh, give them their recognition. I early takeaways from this class just underwhelming. I guess you could kind of say. Uh, I understand the year of the goalie. That's kind of a fun way to look at it. Um, you could argue one goalie maybe is a little bit below the other two, but I mean you had to get some goalies in at some point, and I I didn't mind it uh, this year con considering the other candidates. It kind of seemed natural with Hank uh, get a couple get a couple other goalies going with him, and yeah. then yeah, yeah, I think he nobody had any problem with Lundqvist. Uh, he had a 15 year career. He was in his first year of eligibility. I always love when guys like that just get in right away. You know, like no discussion, just like yeah, Lundqvist belongs in the hall. Yeah, it's especially with him not getting a cup. It's nice to him to get this recognition exactly, because yeah. he, he probably deserved the cup. Yeah, this. I also enjoyed that uh, Caroline Ouellette was getting some shine. I think that she's one of those players where you go and like look at her Wikipedia page and you're like, holy shit, she went four for four golds at the Olympics. Yeah, she was part of my childhood. Yeah. It was uh, like Ouellette, Wickenheiser, um, Tessa Bonham. Uh, there's a, like th That was my childhood of just these, these women hockey players just – dominating yeah winning just dominating. every year like she's got six golds at the world's women's 
She's got four gold medals. She now coaches at Concordia, the Stingers there. She's just an absolute legend in Canadian hockey. I, I feel like over the next kind of four or five years, like the trickle of those teams will just slowly all get into the Hall of Fame, you know, like the big players, Poulin, like the, you know, all those people will just slowly start getting in. I think it could start transitioning as early as next year. I feel like Jen Botterill right. is the the next the shoe in. The next name for uh the women's, especially of that era. Yeah. But, I mean, Poulin's still playing, so eventually you're going to have to make that switch because not everyone from that kind of, not the first generation, but I guess you could say the first golden generation of women's hockey with America and Canada, you can't let everyone in. No. You kind of want to because they were so important to the foundation of where the women's game is at today. But, I mean, you have to make a transition at some point. Um, let me check. Do we know if Haley Wickenheiser has... That was actually a question. That was where I was going next was there, Wickenheiser. Or- so is Haley Wickenheiser in the Hall of Fame? We're looking this up right now because that would be a perfect transition. You I know think what so I mean? too, yeah, to kind of bring it in. She was a part of the 2019 celebration. Okay, so she yeah. was a first ballot on the women's side. Yeah. And it, I don't know because Poulin feels like she's going to play forever, but that feels like the natural first pick of this generation to get yeah. in but i'm sure there's she's a rock star. uh those a lot of those american players that's also have retired thinking, yeah. and i feel like we forgot about them and they will probably be the the start of that generation yeah but speaking of kind of controversy of snubs all that talk people love to get fired up around hall of fame season especially in the nhl me and patrick are going to compile a bit of a starting you know lineup here of the biggest snubs in the hockey hall of fame we're going to do two forwards we're going to do one defenseman and we're going to do one goalie and i feel like there's a lot of ways that you could go with this um and a lot of kind of different avenues a lot of them are huge surprises and a lot of them don't have a ton of you know sense behind them so are we going just for just to clarify the, the rules of this draft is it once you take a name i can't or is it something? Yeah, okay. I'm going to say uh, that, and then that it doesn't matter where you take them. You can take any uh, order of forward, defense, or goalie. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll punt here. I'll let you go first, just wow. for the, uh, the speed and sake of things. We don't have any coins on hand, I don't think. You're such a gentleman, and I will gladly take that because I believe the first one is a bit of a layup. I'm going to take Alexander McGilney as the first one. I mean... Might. 76 goals in 77 games in a season is uh, just unheard of, really. I mean, obviously it's happened, uh, but everyone who has done that is in the Hall of Fame. So I don't see why he's not. I under, I was kind of shocked to hear what the NHL said as for some of the, re- not the NHL, the Hockey Hall of Fame committee, as for th- some of the reasoning why they didn't include him. Well, they talk about last night and they, you know, they mention how they're not, considering like taking any Russian players in the next little while because of what's going on where McGilney was famous for defecting from a corrupt Russia. I just, I don't get that at all. It's a bad look for the NHL. It is. I, I think of McGilney as an American personally, but obviously he's, he's not, but I I don't think he's a controversial figure in any way. He's got Stanley cup, Olympic gold medal, world championship, uh, 473 career goals. And just, I don't know. I, there's not much else to say. Uh, was a captain of the Sabres as well. First Russian player to ever wear a C, actually, in the NHL. So, Look at that. Um, yeah, that's my first pick. And I think he, 
he should have been in this year. Yeah, I think that's a very um, honorable first pick. I think that that's really where a lot of people's heads turn, um, kind of of like why isn't this guy in the hall yet? He's always kind of he's turned into kind of that go to answer of why you know Hall of Fame voting sometimes has uh, some you know kinks to it and stuff that doesn't really make sense with my first pick here. I'm also going to stay with a forward and I'm going to go with one that really gets people fired up. Jeremy Roenick. You know, I think people always point to Roenick as somebody who definitely should be in the hall. He's one of 46 players to a, which is actually a crazy high number. I guess, you know, a lot of those players are older, um, but to have scored 500 goals and not be in the hockey hall of fame, um, he retired in 2009. I think it's been well long enough now for somebody who was that big throughout the 90s and the 2000s to not be there. Um, and I think that, you know, he's kind of lost visibility within the sport in recent years due to what happened and him leaving NBC. But I don't really think that should be affecting him getting into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely not. I think your on-ice play should speak for yourself in terms of getting elected into the Hall of Fame because it's a reflection of your hockey career. Right. Um, he's obviously not the, the cleanest cut person in the world off the ice, but I, when he was on the ice, Jeremy Roenick was one of the best hockey players to ever lace them up. Uh, it's kind of hilarious because he was, he's a bit of a journeyman. Not like a journeyman, but he's, he's played on every team. Feels like there's a picture of JR in any jersey you want to imagine him in. Right. But he's another one similar to McGillney where it's it's been a while. It's It's been enough, like... I don't know what else these guys have to do to kind of get in, but I don't like the fact that Mike Vernon got in without a Vesna, like right. without actual a lot of accolades. It feels like yeah. he just played a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and you're just not letting in forwards with accolades because you wanted a, a goalie type of year. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So yeah, but yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. All right, back to you. Um. Hmm. It's it's interesting because I you kind of got to have some strategy with this in terms of you know do I leave a goalie for you do I need a forward yeah this is tough I'm gonna go it's it's like a pander to my younger self I guess but I'm gonna go with Henrik Zetterberg I like that uh it's he's got the triple gold status because it is the hockey hall of fame uh he's won the con Smythe, uh a bunch of cups was just a legend and captain of that legendary well he took over for lichstrom but he was part of those legendary detroit red wings teams it's just a staple to our childhood really you just grow up that iconic number 40 the zetterberg curve on the warrior sticks i mean just everything about the guy Bit of a man rocket himself, too. And, yeah, I would love to see Henrik Zetterberg get into the Hall of Fame. I like that pick. I think that Zetterberg, especially for people our age, is somebody who everybody is like, oh, yeah. Like, that guy was an absolute dominator out there. Like, he was kind of like the Bergeron of those Detroit teams. He was just such a solid centerman that, like, you hated having the line match against at any time. Yeah, I, I don't – I wouldn't say he's like a snub. But he is eligible. He hasn't had to wait uh, as long as the two guys we've mentioned previously to him. So I wouldn't say he's like a snub or anything like that. But I would like to see Henrik Zetterberg on my ballot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that I'm going to go in a bit of a different direction here. Okay. Um, While there's still some forwards on the board, I'm going to grab one of my defensemen. 
Um, and it's going to be Sergey Gonchar. I think that that's somebody who's gotten a lot of buzz recently. Uh, it's a little harder to kind of judge defensemen on Hall, Hockey Hall of Fame worthiness because of how much uh, the position has kind of changed over time. Um, but with, you know, today's NHL really valuing offensive blue liners, he was kind of both back in the day where he was a really offensively dynamic person, but was also like on that first pairing for years um, supporting those Pittsburgh teams. Yeah, and and sons, you don't forget. Yeah, it. He was a senator for a while. I won't forget. Um, he was a two-time second-team NHL All-Star player. He won the Cup with the Pens. Um, he ranked 16th in career scoring by a defenseman, which is pretty crazy um, when you look at the list of the guys ahead of him. Um, and I think that he's one of those guys who people are kind of just like waiting to eventually see. Um, in 1,301 games, he had 811 points, which is really wild for a defenseman. Um, back then, like almost, you know, half a point over a half a point per game is pretty wild. Uh, and yeah, I think I want to shore up my, my line there with Gonchar. You, you shored it up for sure, because, uh, that's who I was going to take as Love my defenseman. That. So I'm kind of scrambling a little bit right now, but I will kill some time and fill the airwaves. Um, I guess I could just go goalie though right now and just kind of wait it out because your defenseman is gone. So I'm going to go, hmm, I might go a little crazy. Sorry for your ears there, but Tim Thomas <laughs> as, my, as my goalie. I like that. I mean, there's, there's you know, maybe sexier picks. Curtis Joseph is out there. Uh, I believe, you know, Nikolai Habibulin, guys like that. Chris Osgood. But to me, it Tim Thomas, two cups. Calder Trophy, Akon Smythe, a wow. Vesna. That's a lot. Played 17 years in the NHL. That's I, a better resume than I think I thought he had. Yeah, and a Jennings four times. Won the Jennings four times. Right. That's crazy. Three-time All-Star. And yeah, I, I, it, he has a Hall of Fame resume to me, and I think his resume is arguably better than the three goalies that got in this year. Right. I think Henrik yeah. Lundqvist has a better I think you're right. Like legacy as a goalie and history, just like I think Henrik's more respected than maybe Tim Thomas would be. But in terms of accolades and winning and success, yeah. Tim Thomas can't go unnoticed. No, I think you're right. And he's somebody who probably fell out of the conversation a bit just because of how quickly he exited the spotlight of the NHL. After his retirement, you basically never hear from him. Um and I think that he's one of those guys who you need in the Hall of Fame so that they can't really get forgotten by history just because they chose to leave the spotlight. Like, just because you're not always around the game, you definitely shouldn't be forgotten in that sense. Absolutely. Also kind of realized I uh, tipped a lot of picks to you. Um, so <laughs> hopefully you, you had one in mind already. Otherwise, I just maybe gave you uh, uh, an entire pick. You definitely gave me a a bit of ammo but i don't think that you gave me the pick that i was going to go with i'm going to go back to forwards um his son has been in the news obviously recently because of their cup run i'm going with keith kachuk as my other forward big rig um just you know an absolute force 1200 games uh 1065 points he had 538 goals he's the high scoring left winger in american history He's up there in you know that top 10 echelon of American players ever, I would say. Um, and he's just a guy who you know came out as a first-round pick and 
was always kind of a dominating force, kind of how the you know his two sons play. You see a lot of his game in theirs, and I think that this is a guy who needs to be in the hall. Don't disagree. Yeah. Don't disagree with you. Keith, I was between Keith and Henrik right. for my forwards, but I feel like Henrik was more true to myself. I never really watched Keith play. Uh, he was out of the league in like 07, 08. Uh, Henrik obviously played forever. Um, and yeah, uh, you really took like Sergey Gonchar was really like the only like sexy defenseman pick out there. <laughs> it was. There's one other one maybe. Okay. Well, I doubt I'm going to pick it because I'm going to. I'm going to pander to myself again. Uh, I mean, people may not even know who this guy is, but to me, it was like he was a staple on the back end of this team for so long, kind of just played the game forever. Wasn't a flashy defenseman, but in term, he was a good defenseman. I'm going to go with Adam Foote. Um, as, as, That's not crazy. As my last pick. Yeah, it, I had to dig deep to find that, though. Uh, he's got two cups. He's played uh, 1,154 games. Uh, 1,500 career penalty minutes. He was a career plus 99, 308 points in his career. So like I said, a true defenseman. Um, yeah, to me, this is like... He was he was your defen- defenseman's favorite defenseman. Like he was a yeah. very lockdown guy. And you have to understand, there wasn't a lot of offensive defensemen when he yeah. played. So like that kind of was uh, the model to play. And yeah. he played for a long time. Uh, it always sticks out to me when you play on one team. He's also got world championship in 04 and an Olympic gold with Canada in 02. So like a good hockey resume. Yeah. feels like a winner. Obviously a Norris would help the, the resume there. But Definitely. to me, that was my, that was my filler to, uh, for you my defenseman. If that's your filler, if Adam Foote's your filler, you know, it's not a terrible list. And I think that, yeah, Gonchar really was the sexy pick. The other... Sexy pick is Jane Bowmeister. He's like now officially available for the hall. He's yeah. one of those guys who like he has, I think he's in the triple gold club. Like he has all the international golds. He has a cup with the blues. Like he's kind of going to be one of those guys who I think after Gonchar is the next one to get in. So he he's definitely a hall of famer. That would have been a yeah. nice one to have. I I was going to say Chara, but he's not eligible yet, obviously. Yeah. So I I kind of just struggled with the guys who I just who was eligible and who yeah, wasn't. So I exactly. kind of went with like. Okay, I know Adam Foote's right. been eligible. Right. Uh, Jay Balmeister, that's, yeah, he's, uh, he, I think he's going to get in earlier than later. Yeah, I think so too. And with my last pick, kind of tough with how many goalies just went in the hall. Um, you know, I think that it comes down to like two goalies for me, kind of. One of them I could go a bit more chalky with. Uh, the other that I could go is kind of a bit more of a recent, you know, thing. Somebody who I watched a bit more growing up. You know, since it's the last pick, I'll tell you which I'm I'm deciding yeah, yeah, between yeah. Walk here. Me it's, it's Curtis Joseph or it's Chris Osgood. It's like two kind of contending picks there. Um, Osgood had a pretty damn good career. He's the only uh, goalie in NHL history. Um, to win more than 400 games and lose fewer than 250. He was just like a staple there. Kind of after Hashik, there was a lot of questions up in the air in Detroit, I think, of like how the hell they were going to have. It's kind of like Carey Price almost back in the day. Like Hashik was those teams, and they kind of built forward from him. Um, and then Osgood was like the Padawan. Like they, he had the same mask for a bit, that like crazy mask. And he just came in and then like evolved with a goalie style of play that was evolving around him. 
It, it sounds like Chris Hall is good. I to think pick. he's my pick. Yeah, fuck it Cujo. Sounds, yeah, you you got really into it. Yeah, and I think that's who you were talking about. Like you watched him yeah. play, so it kind of means a little bit more to you. Yeah, obviously Cujo is a leaf. You know, you crazy career though. He went from ninety three to two thousand and eleven. Yeah, kind of like Tim Thomas. These guys yeah. just played forever, and you like, they weren't flashy guys. They had weird helmets on. You just go, these like who are these guys? But year after year, they were showing up, winning games, winning cups. Did always good have a Vesla? Let me look it up here. I don't think he did. That was my one. Which would be tough. I, I was I was definitely looking at Osgood for mine, but then I also was like, I have a Red Wing from that era. Right. I don't want to have two Red Wings from that era on my team. Um, he, was, he was a Vesna Trophy runner-up in 95-96. He's a two-time Jennings Trophy winner. He played for five President's Cup trophy-winning teams, um, selected to play in four All-Star games. So, yeah, he doesn't have the Vesna, but apparently you don't need one. Seriously, apparently it's all name recognition for goalies. Cause, like, I guess. Mike Tim, Tom, Tim Thomas's resume is one of the better. I, yeah. It took me a while. I just had a thought popped in my head. I was like, man, it's Tim. Like, Tim Thomas is, is eligible, right? He's been eligible f- since 2017. Man, that's like, a long time. That feels like a guy who should be in the hall by now yeah. with the accolades that he has, especially in a year of goalies. Like, I... Mike Vernon, I mean, I know you've been around for a while, but I, if we're talking resumes. Tough. Yeah. But that does it. I'll run down my list here. I have Ronick, Gonchar, Kachuk, and Osgood. Patrick, who'd you have? McGilney, Zetterberg, um, Tim Thomas, and Adam Foote. Those are two pretty good, like, evenly matched teams there. Yeah. I think and, Thomas pulls a lot of weight for your team there. And I think Gonchar pulls a lot of uh Pulls a lot for your team in terms yeah. of like de- defenseman to goalie comparison. That's the battle. I think yeah. both our forwards are great. Legends. And it's yeah. just kind of whichever. It's it's all subjective, though, yeah. right? Like there's, there's no objective. Uh, we'll get a poll out or a, a graphic and see what the people think. Put it out to the public. But other than that, I think that kind of does it for us here today on the goalpost. Little bit of football, little bit of hockey. What else is new here? Yeah, it's kind of what we're going to get into in the summer. There will be consistent CFL talk. That's the one thing that I can promise you. But otherwise, we're probably going to be trying out a bunch of different segments like you just heard. They're probably going to be relevant to topics that are ongoing in in the sports world today. But we're going to be keeping you on your toes a bit. So keep an ear out. See, you know, read the Twitter post. See what we got going on because it could be different every single week. Yep. And uh, keep an eye on all our socials. And keep supporting us. We always love the support, and uh, we appreciate it. But until next week, Patrick. See you, Damien. See ya.